the Whole Healing Podcast. Healing through nutrition by connecting your mind, body, and food. called subtitles <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and just do it ver- verbally like that that'd be fine okay um or we could what make a cartoon we could do a cartoon scott and a cartoon jenna <laughs> is, is there a website to do that um you'd have to i know there is and my marketing specialist has done it before but it's like it takes a long time but if it's just simple like mouthing the words you can do it and then you just change the scenery in the background <laughs> that'd be fun. that would be hilarious i love it right <laughs> i know who wouldn't want a cartoon of themselves yeah, I'm interested in what a cartoon of me would look like. I know. Okay, well, I'll, I'll show you when we get it done. <laughs> okay, so um, what are we talking today about? We're talking about high altitude sports nutrition and performance because you are, and and tell me your title again. A you, doctor of physical therapy? Is that what you're looking for? Uh, well, yeah, you're a physical therapist. You're a doctor of physical therapy, but you're also, but your specialty, which I think is so interesting. Um. Oh, like what I like specialize in? Yeah. So I, the way I phrase it is usually like mountain athletes. Mountain athletes. Yeah. Okay. I've heard yeah. like high alpine athletes, high altitude athletes, all those phrases, but it's like yeah. Colorado athletes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that's another way I phrase it sometimes too. Rocky mountain athletes, mountain athletes, Colorado athletes. Yeah. What made you decide to get into it? Uh, it was, it was the fact that I like to do that stuff so much and it's really important to connect with your patients. So that just makes my day more fun when I can talk to people about skiing trips or about climbing trips or, you know, the next hike they want to go on and stuff like that. So, um, so I really just enjoyed that and wanted to focus on that. And, um, it was something that I understand as well, um, which makes my treatments much more effective. That's incredible. Yeah. My gosh. Like you have to be able to relate to the people that you work with and the fact that you're passionate about what you do, yeah, I think makes it so much better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sure people that work with you are really responsive to that as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, when that, that draws a lot of people, they look on my website, you know, and see photos of me skiing, see me talking about hikes that I've been on, stuff like that. And they're like, okay, he gets it. Yeah. What, um, what, are, what sports do you do outside? Um, so my top ones, winter, skiing uh in the summer a lot of whitewater kayaking um some raft guiding along with that as well uh climbing hiking uh those are the big ones i think that's incredible yeah that's amazing yeah lots of like um lots of whitewater rafting i think like lats shoulders arms and then of course like skiing you got quads legs you have a little bit of everything yeah that's the nice thing about colorado you get that variety where it's like you can focus on one thing and this like it's all seasonal like the the rivers flow mostly in like may june july so like then i'm really focusing on white water then while the water is good and then kind of in those shoulder seasons we'll do a little bit more hiking and a little bit more rock climbing and stuff like that that's amazing and they talk in like nutrition about this with athletes and their seasons and sport they talk about periodization of training and mm-hmm. how like you know in your peak season you'll have a really high carb diet but when you're in your off season maybe it's a little bit lower carb higher fat and so what does that look like that with physical therapy and like strength training as well uh it can um and it depends on what you're doing and how closely each one's you know related where like skiing and hiking 
a lot more lower body stuff. So there's probably a lot more correlation there, rock climbing, um, paddling, getting a lot more upper body activity. So you may have to switch your focus a little bit, um, with, with some of those sports. If you've, you know, if you've been skiing all winter and you're going to start getting ready for paddling, your arms haven't done as much over the winter. So, okay. Probably need to get some upper body work in. So I'm curious, like what kind of injuries would you see with paddling or with like whitewater rafting? Uh, shoulders are a big one. A lot of dislocated shoulders. Um, you know, like back pain could be a big thing too. You're sitting for a long period of time and having to reach and make paddle strokes. Um, people can get elbow pain uh, from poor technique. Um, those are some of the big ones. You know, hips can hips can get angry sometimes too. In a kayak, you're crammed in this kayak, in the, in the cockpit of the kayak with your legs splayed out for hours at a time. And then you're, you know, using it to put your kayak on edge and roll and flip and all this stuff. So hips can, hips can get a little angry too sometimes. Yeah. I feel like with outdoor like sports in general, like the, the injuries are limitless, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with climbing and rock, like hiking. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it can be anything really. <laughs> and when you're, when you're dealing with mountain sports, you know, there's a, a danger to it too, you know, you fall, you know, fall on rocks, things like that, you know, that, that's always a risk as well. Um, so that can lead to different kinds of injuries, concussions, and all this other stuff can come along with that also. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to prevention, like what is, what is your regimen? What do you recommend for athletes who are trying to like get into the season? Maybe, maybe it's spring, maybe it's fall, but like, what are you, what are your, what is your prescription for, for minimizing your risk of injury? I think, I think the biggest problem that mountain athletes run into is that they do a sport and they do that sport a lot and that's their exercise. So I don't know, let's take say a mountain biker, for example, you know, they'll mountain bike five, six, seven days a week, you know, whatever it is like, and that's their main source of exercise. I really recommend that people kind of mix things up a little bit and especially get into the gym. Um, that, that's a conversation I have with a lot of people is, is that they're very active people, but they're not getting in the gym. Um, and so I have to kind of teach them ways to lift properly, lift safely, kind of put a program together for them. So that way they're working on the right kind of strength um, that they need in order to not get injured. Um, like I said, and it's not, I use mountain bikers in, as an example, but I see it in climbers. I see it in runners. I see it in skiers. They, they just do that thing and that's what they want to do. Um, but they're kind of doing themselves a disservice by not mixing it up a little bit. And I'll be so honest, like that's totally me. <laughs> like I love being outside and I don't have anything against lifting and I appreciate it for what it's capable of doing for me and being outside but it's just not my passion right like being outside mm -hmm. is so so do you have any advice for those of us who really just don't love the gym like we do outdoors <laughs> do you want to do it until you're 60 yes i do yes i do okay that should be your biggest motivation right there uh yeah that, that's that should be the biggest piece right there is that it's going to give you better longevity if you're not getting hurt um, you know, or you're not going to miss, you know, this upcoming season of it because of an injury, because you planned properly and built up your strength. I mean, really just, just carve out a little bit of time. You know, if you're going for a climbing session and you're planning, okay, I was going to go for an hour and a half, like take 20, 30 minutes out of that to, you know, just do a little bit of something, um, to strengthen, strengthen up the muscles that you need. 
phenomenal advice it's what I do yeah. anyway but yeah and I think for me it was like recognizing like you can go into the gym and do bicep curls you can do you know squats but like when I put two and two together and realized mm-hmm. like I could go into the gym and like train my lats to get me up to you know a 512 route on a climbing wall versus you know a 510 I was like oh shoot like this can be used for my advantage not yeah. just and, and in my sport not just for like getting bigger muscles but it was for really finding the exercises to train for what I was going to do outside. Yeah. Performance is a piece that we get into sometimes as well. Um, yeah. If you want to perform better, you got to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you want the endurance to do it for a longer period of time throughout the day, you know, you got to work on that muscular endurance as well. Um, and that's not just by doing the sport. It's by, by working on your strength. So gosh, I'm curious, Scott, what does, what does it look like to work with a physical therapist who specializes in high Alpine mountain athletes and mountain athletics versus just a regular physical therapist? Yeah, we have fun. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of fun. I'll, I'll say that that's one, that's one thing. Like I said, I like to just talk and shoot the shit with people about what, you know, it is that they're going to do next, you know? So I, I like to do that, but um, you know, more importantly, you know, getting down to the actual business part of it. Um, I, I really challenge people, uh, in most traditional clinics, you're going to go in and one, this is also just a different way I have my clinic set up. You know, one, you're going to go in, you're going to see the therapist the first day. And then after that, uh, you may be in there for an hour, but you only see the therapist for 20 minutes. You're usually getting passed around to different people. Um, whereas the way I have it set up, I'm with someone for an hour every single time. Um, and in the other kind of uh, clinic, they're not going to give you very specific exercises. If you're going for shoulder pain, they'll probably you know give you a few basic band exercises to kind of rotate your shoulders a little bit or lift it up overhead, um, but not really not really push you very much. Uh, my my office is located inside of a gym. So I've got barbells, I've got kettlebells, I've got um, all this weight equipment, um, you know, sleds, that kind of thing, bunch of turf, you know, I'm, I'm pushing people and the more their pain starts to subside, the more I can push them um, to the point where it looks almost more like a personal training session than uh, what you might think of with a physical therapy session. Because if I don't push you that hard, I don't know if you can do a 14 mile hike but if I push you that hard, okay, now I'm saying, you know, we just worked our asses off for an hour and you felt great. You know, that it's much more likely that you're going to feel good whenever you go out to do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. That is so cool. Cause honestly, like, I think like one of the major conversations that I've had and I've worked in multiple physical therapy clinics, just being a sports dietitian. And I think the, the topic of conversation always comes up what to do about addressing the gray area between physical therapy and a full return to sport. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is there a gray area in the first place? And I think it's because we're seeing the same thing in the medical system um, that we do in physical therapy clinics, where it's, you know, you schedule an appointment four weeks out to meet with a physical therapist for 15 minutes um, because they have 17 other clients. And it's like that, that quality of care keeps going down because everything's been so corporatized, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to what you were first saying, I mean, I'm really trying to blur that line between um, between a physical therapist and like a personal trainer, because um, you're right. There is that there's that gray area where people are discharged from rehabilitation, um, but they're not really full return to sport yet. But then they're going to their trainers and trainer doesn't really know what to do. 
And most physical therapists don't really know how to push someone to that level. Um, so I just spent a lot of time honing in that skill to to utilize to utilize um, heavy strength training to get people all the way back to where they want to be. Yeah. And I would think somebody who's been injured and out of their sport for so long probably is eager and looks forward to that kind of a session because um, they, they miss it. And, and I mean, you don't want to necessarily go to a trainer who doesn't know about the injury and how to maneuver around it, but that's, that's your job. Yeah. Yeah. As, you know, as you say that I'm thinking about this one, this one guy I'm seeing right now, um, he, he went through rehab in the traditional system after an ACL reconstruction. Um, and then once his insurance kicked him out, he still was nowhere close to being ready, but then he came to see me and, uh, you know, just to pay me out of pocket to, to, get the rest of the way. And he's a, he loves CrossFit. And, uh, so I've been designing a lot of his programs to mimic that to some extent. And I'll write a, I'll write a workout on the board for him to start working on it. He'll look at it and go, Oh, that looks so much fun. You know, just a bunch of lunges and, uh, you know, like goblet squats and stuff like that. And he's just like super excited about it. Like one day, and one day I wanted to test out power cleans with him. And he's like, he, I, I, I swear his voice like cracked. He was like, we're doing power cleans. <laughs> It's like, yeah, we're gonna do some power cleans today. Wow. And and physical therapy. I've never heard of somebody doing power cleans in physical therapy. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a fun physical therapy office, honestly. Like it's almost like I would pay you for personal training. <laughs> so what are the major factors that are ideal or necessary or optimal when somebody's injured to ensure that they have a quick and speedy and successful recovery? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing that is probably the most important thing is buy-in. So I, I mentioned earlier how it's good that if, if you trust your physical therapist, um, which is you know one of the reasons that I specialize in something that I do myself, right? There's an instant trust. So when they buy in, they're going to do what I ask them to do. When they do what I ask them to do, they're going to recover much faster. Um, I, it, it's usually a large amount of exercise involved with um, what I'm doing with recovery. So if they're not doing them, they're not going to get better. Um, so that, that buy-in and that time commitment in that, that full commitment, you know, not just time, but, you know, commitment of my mental state of it, all that is probably the most important thing, um, that someone can do. And then on top of that, we want to make sure that we're addressing the source of people's pain as well. Um, a lot of times, you know, even therapists will stop at the level of symptoms. So if someone is having pain, they're feeling better, their pain's gone, and then they stop. That's not necessarily the way it should be. There's something that caused that pain in the first place. We got to figure it out. And, um, you know, it may not even be at the joint that they're having pain. It may be somewhere else in the body that initially caused um, where their pain manifested. And so we've got to address that source. Otherwise, that pain is going to come back in three months and then they're going to be right back in my office. So nice. I don't, I don't like to let people go when they're out of pain. I want them to, you know, push a little harder, figure out what's going on and address that as well. Yeah. I, I was going to say, and then another um, component's important that, you know, is more of your role, Jenna is, uh, you know, figuring out their diets. What are they putting into their bodies? Cause that can have a few huge effect on people's pain levels as well. Um, and that's something I talk about to the level that I can with every single patient that comes into my door. Um, I asked them about, you know, some of those other things, like, what are you, how are you, how well are you sleeping? You know, how's the stress in your life? Um, you know, and what are you eating and how much water are you taking in? 
Uh, those are big things that I have to address. Um, otherwise, they're not getting the optimal amount of recovery. Right. Nutrition makes a difference. I'll never forget one of my first clients I ever had had a hip replacement um, and she was doing physical therapy, wasn't getting better. She had still an immense amount of pain and um, come to find out she was autoimmune. We did an elimination diet. She actually um, took in some stevia, not thinking it was going to be a problem and broke out in this huge rash all over her body, had never reacted to stevia like that before. But then once she got through her elimination or, or even just during the elimination phase, she found that her hip was for the first time getting better. And so food makes a difference in inflammation. You know what I yeah, mean? It's not it's absolutely. anything new or, or fancy. It's just if you're if you're healing, your body has to have the right tools to heal. And that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then as our body's rebuilding, you know, you've got to have the right nutrients to make sure that your muscle tissue, your bone, like whatever we're, whatever needs healed is, is healing as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud of our nutrition protocol program for sports injury recovery, because I think that if you, if you put all the right tools in the person's hand, they'll run with it. They want to get better. You know what I mean? They're motivated. Yeah. They just have to have the right tools in their hands. So yeah. It's just a matter of putting them all together. I think that people, people don't think about all the time. Yeah, it, it definitely takes, I mean, it takes a village to recover from an injury. Like I can kind of quarterback where, how I want things to go, but I do need to bring in, you know, personal trainers and dietitians or, you know, maybe a, a sleep specialist or, you know, something like that to kind of bring everything together when people have gaps in what's, what's best for them at this point for their health. Let's go back to like, even just like hiking, like, right. Like yeah. so hiking in general. Cause I think a lot, a lot of the people that are listening probably have gone on a hike before in Colorado or somewhere in their life. And I think hiking is one that like, people don't ever really think, Oh, it's just walking. I don't necessarily need to strength train to hike, but like mm -hmm. I've noticed huge differences when I, when I strength train and hike. So what are the ones, what are the secrets? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I could have answered that with a very general, um, with a very general answer because so many mountain sports are up and down. Sure. There's sure. A, there's a lot of climbing and descending, um, you know, whether it's mountain biking or hiking or um, um, rock climbing, you know, we're going up, we're coming down, going up, coming down. So um, I think having strong, a strong extension pattern. So basically like your glutes, your calves, like that ability to push uphill is probably as a generality, the best thing that you can do to make sure that you're going to perform well in your sport. Um, I will say that um, maybe not for mountain biking or climbing because the descent's kind of the easier part, but for hiking on the, on the way down, you want to make sure you're training that controlled descent. Um, what is that core? That, quads? what is that? <laughs> so, so looking at like for the quads, for example, um, a common injury that a hiker might have, and they may say that they have, a lot more pain coming downhill is like patellar tendonitis, uh, you know, inflammation of the tendon around the kneecap. Uh, and yeah, usually you go back and you kind of look at the glutes and the quads and make sure that they're doing their job to be able to, um, to be able to actively and in a controlled fashion, lower the body down. Uh, cause our muscles take more, uh, it's harder on the muscles and the joints to go downhill actually than it is to go uphill uphill it's harder harder cardio wise but uh the muscles and joints are going to have a harder time with the with the downhill so uh training that properly is going to make sure that you're less sore when from the downhill portion that makes total sense yeah, yeah absolutely
Yeah. And usually, yeah, usually when you're going downhill, you're like in a hurry too. You're like, okay, I've seen my thing. I want to get back to the car before it's dark. I got to get make it to happy hour, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, I'm sure there are probably way more injuries that happen going downhill than going up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so too. I didn't realize that you have such a, like a bridge between the gap with like physical therapy and personal training. Like that is so freaking cool. Because I think people really respect that and appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it yeah, it's every time when I worked more in the system for someone else's practice and I didn't have that ability to, you know, put someone on, you know, deadlift with someone or, you know, run them through a 30 minute workout. Uh, it was always frustrating. Cause I was like, well, the insurance would usually kick them out at some point or other too. And so I was just like, well, you're pretty decent, but you know, with the scope of what I have available to me, this is about all I can do for you. Right. You're at 75%. Now go away. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, and 75% is probably a pretty accurate number. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, their pain's gone, but their conditioning is not anywhere near. So it's like, okay, you know, go figure it out and I'll probably see you again in six months. <laughs> right, right. But to think that you could be at 110% if you just go private practice, like I would pay that in a heartbeat make sure I'm healthy and even stronger than I was before. That's the whole point, right? Yeah. 110% is a good way to put it. Cause yeah. Cause like I said, there's, there was an underlying cause we're knocking out. So they're not just getting back to no pain. They're getting back to, I'm stronger than I was before. And I perform better than I was before. And you undress the underlying cause. So like they're least, or they're, they're less likely to get injured again. Yeah. Wow. Right. So that saves them frustration, saves them time, saves them money all in the long run by being a little bit more preventative. Oh my gosh, Scott, you are so cool. Thank you so <laughs> much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, you for having me. Yes, yeah. So fun. Oh my I gosh. love the cool studio. Yes, this is, this is definitely, it's hot in here, but we're having fun. <laughs>